content like yeah. always so yeah. it doesn't that doesn't surprise me you know yeah I mean? Hello, but uh but he did kind of come off like as, as corny he just kind of came off like i'm trying to be like the cray yeah <laughs> you know what i mean but, 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 er, but I he, feel like everybody was though like at least if you were coming through that reach come racket, through the reach, yeah, yeah like you kind of you kind of fell into that a little bit but yeah. i feel like he kind of is finding his own his own sound because he's doing that whole like i remember he was talking about like cinematic trap yeah. And now he's kind of like really, really kind of I feel like comfortable or dug into his mm-hmm. his wave, his sound. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. no, he's definitely. What up? What up? What up? Want to welcome y'all back to the Socks and Sandals podcast, where society, culture, history, and religion collide, and we yeah. unapologetically discuss our worldviews. Uh, it's your boy Manny Williams back in the building. Um, or back in the kitchen, I should say. <laughs> cooking, <laughs> um, cooking, man. Cooking, cooking. A few, a few announcements. Um, we back on iTunes, man. We up, we official. You know what I mean? So yes, I appreciate, sir. I appreciate all those who went on there and rated and commented. You know what I mean? We got um, sixteen ratings right now. My goal is to get seventy-five by november the first man 75 ratings so if you got an iphone man team iphone come out and do your thing real quick um rate five stars please comment a little something just say a little something um the more ratings and more comments uh we get the more visibility we get the more we can spread this thing you know what i mean and make it grow so i appreciate y'all who's who's already done it um there were a few names that i seen on there and uh i wrote it down somewhere but i don't know where it's at but uh I'll shout y'all out in a minute. I know it was I know the whale was on there, man. I appreciate you, bro. And you uh you comment. Uh Kurt Kurt, uh Demarcus. I got you. Uh, shout out to AJ. Hey. Shout out to Demarcus. Let's shout go. out to Kurt Kurt. I think Shout out to Lou L. Shout yeah. out to Mike Jones. You yeah. know? Mike Jones, who? Mike huh? Jones. Oh. Mike Jones. He, he yeah, yeah, that, yeah, okay. The homie from yeah. That's cool. Appreciate y'all, <laughs> man. Real talk. Um, what up, Vizel? What's up, Javon? I see y'all. What's up with it? But um What up, Vizel? Yeah, my man. guy. So as y'all can see, if y'all watching live, y'all see who's in the building. I got my brother with me. When I say my brother, this time this is my brother. You know yes, what sir. I mean? Yes, we sir. go back way back. So got my boy Deshaun Pleasure, aka Sean Lamont. Man, say what's up to the people, bro. What up? What up? What up? How y'all doing? Man. Hey. So my brother, how's your day been, bro? It's been long, G. Long? Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. I've been up since five fifteen. Are you so early, bro? What's going on? Work. Work? Mm-hmm. Like that? Yeah. Man, you working hard, bro. Working hard on you. Trying to. Trying to. I feel you. I feel you. Yeah, man. So, uh, we're going to talk about a few things today. Uh, my brother has an album dropping on October the 27th. Yes. Today is Wednesday. Days. So, that's Friday. Two days away. Friday. Two days away, bro. Yes, sir. The EP. Tell them about the EP. What's, what's the title? The title is Fragile. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just about me owning my transparency, me owning... Um, the places in my life where I'm fragile as a man, as a husband, um, as a minister, as a Christian, and just kind of sharing that journey with you all. Mm-hmm. And then also just kind of encouraging folks to own their transparency as well, to yeah. to realize the places where they're fragile in and to own that, you know? Yeah, that's yeah. what's up. That's yeah. what's up. So how many how many tracks on there? So there's six songs, and then there's this um kind of like hidden, unreleased bonus track that we're going to talk a little bit about oh, I, a little bit later. Oh, okay. I've heard of this unreleased track. Yeah, you, 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 yeah, you got a copy of that. <laughs> ah, <laughs> yeah, man, it's dope. So uh, can't yeah. wait to let y'all hear this. At the end of the episode, it's not going to be on live, but uh, at the end of the episode, when I upload it to SoundCloud and iTunes and all that, y'all be able to hear it, man. I'm going to play the whole song at the end of this episode, so y'all stay tuned for that. Um, 
so let's jump into it, bro. Um, a lot of people may not have been keeping up with your life because mm-hmm. you're not on social media as much, man. Right, right. You know what I mean? But uh, first, I want to ask, I didn't even tell you this, but I want to I go into why did you pull back from Instagram and Facebook? You don't got to go too deep. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But what's your kind of reasoning behind that? Um, so a few things. One, just from my own personal sanctification. So yeah. like um, I'm a man and as a man, I struggle with lust mm-hmm. and with Instagram, there's a lot of access to that. And so for me yeah. and where I was at in life, I needed to kind of scale back on that, just kind of build my self-control, build my self-discipline. Yeah. And then also just like, I think oftentimes with social media, it can kind of like, you know, get, get so um, important to you that you miss just everyday life. It can become so important that you kind of spend more time on that than focusing on face-to-face conversations. Or, we're all guilty of that, for yeah, sure. Yeah, so I just noticed myself kind of needing to be on Instagram or needing to be on Facebook or needing to be on whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, man, I need to just pull back for my own sake, for my own growth, mm-hmm. uh, for me to focus on what needed to be focused on in that season. So Yeah, I mm-hmm. feel that. So, yeah, I only have a Twitter at this point, and <laughs> I'm cool with Twitter. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's just right. Yeah. Yeah. But for the music... Mm-hmm. We're gonna have to pull you back on like, something. Yeah, so something. Um, I'm working. I'm working on that. Yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. So I'm, uh, I'm gonna try to see if I can get somebody who can kind of like run a Facebook page and an Instagram page for me, so that yeah. I can have access to that, but not me have access to that. Right. So we'll yeah. see. I feel you. Delegate those responsibilities. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, delegation is a good thing. Yeah, man. So where do we start, man? I mean, you've been rapping since how old? I've been rapping since I was eight years old. Eight years old, bro. Mm-hmm. Man, I've been hearing you rap since high school. Yep. Uh, of course, post high school, mm-hmm. standout. Yes, sir. It was like nineteen, had mm-hmm. it had it popping off. Yes, sir. Uh, so you had first infantry. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Now you're delving out into your, you know, just going solo, mm-hmm. doing your own thing. Yeah. Um. What's that journey been like, bro? You, what, 31, 32 31. 31. 32. 32. Yeah. 30, 32. I know, I'll be, be, be losing count. That's what I don't even. Yeah, 32. So you thir- you're 32 now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Been rapping since the tender age of eight. Yeah. Now you about to put out your first solo joint, bro. How's that feel? It, it, it's, it's a blessing and it's overwhelming at the same time. Yeah. A blessing in the sense that um, the fruit of a season of life that I experienced has gone into art and art that can be shared with other people. Mm-hmm. But then overwhelming in a sense that like I'm not like my life is not conducive for this artist lifestyle. So mm-hmm. like the way my life is set up, um, I'm a I'm a regular everyday person. Mm-hmm. And so the demands and the responsibilities of promoting a project, doing live performances, like all the things that come with being an artist, it's just overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. trying to find a balance and all of that. Yeah, the game is is different now, man. I don't, I don't, well, maybe it's not different, but like it just seems like there is more of a demand for the live show aspect. Yep. Mm-hmm. Since we can't make money selling records no more, like nope. you you got to go live. Yep. You got you got to perform. Mm-hmm. Um, and tell folks about the the show that you had last night, man. What was that like? So I had the opportunity to rock for Breakout Tuesdays, which is Jamming One Hundred Seven Five's monthly event. Yeah, um, hosted by Cool Nuts and our guy Juma Black. What up, Juma? Hey, Juma, what up, bro? Yeah, so it's it's at, at they they hosted at Ash Street. Supposed to shoot on my address. He's supposed to come through tonight. But go ahead. Oh go yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they hosted at Ash Street. Mm-hmm. Ash Street, excuse me. And um, it's just an artist lineup. Like, they have three or four artists come and rock, and I got a chance to rock a set last night, so it was Man, dope. That's yeah. what's up, bro. Who else was out there? You remember who else was It was myself. It was J Lava. It was F Dot and Grinch Mob. 
man, I know a lot mm-hmm. was out there doing his thing, wasn't he? Yeah, 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 definitely. Man, and then DJ Fatboy on the ones and twos. Okay, that's mm-hmm. what's up. That's yep. what's up. Yeah, man. So, um, so let's let's kind of dive into the meat of the episode, man. Okay. So you had brought up um, a documentary that I had never heard of. I guess I guess it, did it just come yeah, out? Yeah, it's pretty recent. Yeah. Okay. So over the last month or so. So it's the uh, Teach Us All documentary. If y'all haven't seen it. It's on Netflix, man. Go watch that, like yes, sir. right now, because mm-hmm. um, it's it's necessary knowledge that we not necessarily have been privy to. So, mm-hmm. um, so why is it that that documentary kind of stuck out to you? Like, what's going on in your life that just made you, you know, gravitate towards that? So, um, some of you may know, some of you may not, but I am in my second year as a high school teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, I teach high school in a non-traditional privatized high school or private high school. Privatized is not really a word. Maybe it is a word. It is. Okay. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll roll with we'll, that. We'll let, it, we'll let it slide. That'll work, yeah. Um, and so in that setting, um, our, our school is tailored toward um, students who have been um, marginalized, so like traditionally marginalized. And so we get a lot of students from black and brown communities. Mm-hmm. And so when I heard about Teach Us All and the fact that it deals with the disparities that surround education for black and brown communities. I was like, hmm, let me check this out. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, yo, you want to watch it? We, you know what I'm saying? We can yeah. chop it up because we, we, we get into books and documentaries and stuff like that. All so, time, yeah. And so I was like, man, let's watch this. And then when I watched it, my mind was just kind of like, I won't even say blown, but um, my eyes were open even more. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So what, tell people like, you know, what, what school are you at, you know? Um, so I'm at, I'm at Rosemary Anderson High School, um, mm-hmm. the Lentz location. Mm-hmm. So I'm out in, on 92nd and Herald. That's what's up. Mm-hmm. And what's your, what subject you teaching? I teach cultural studies, film studies, and I'll be teaching life skills next quarter. That's what's up. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. So yeah, man, let's, let's jump into the documentary. So like the gist of it is basically, well, I'll let you get the gist of the, the documentary, bro. Like okay. You, yeah. So it just, it, it pretty much follows the history of education in America and the disparities of education in black and brown communities. Mm-hmm. And it kind of just shows how um, these efforts to um, desegregate schools have actually resulted in a deeper segregation of schools <laughs> over the years, even through Brown versus the Board of Education, even through civil rights movement, even through all the efforts and things that have been done. Um, to desegregate for the sake of giving educational opportunities to every person, be that black, be that brown, be that whatever. But what they've shown is through the statistics and the things that have taken place is that it's actually gotten a lot worse. Yeah, it's it's crazy, bro. Like, yeah. so that so it 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 starts out with um, the Little Rock Nine. Yes, yeah. was it Central Arkansas or mm-hmm. High School yeah. Central Little mm-hmm. Rock something like that? Mm-hmm. So that was back in 1957. That was like the first time we yeah. integrated black people mm-hmm. integrated into into schools. And uh, you know, I've seen that doc- I've seen documentaries about it, but yeah. this went like way more in depth. Way more in depth. Um, and so, but just like <laughs> watching those images, I I I like being educated on stuff like that, mm-hmm. but I hate having to like borderline relive it even though I wasn't there yeah <laughs> you know what I mean like you, I'm I'm living through I'm watching their you know how they're getting treated yeah. seeing, talking about getting spit on and beat up every day that they go to school like mm-hmm. seeing a mob of adults yeah want to stop yeah. black teenagers from going to mm-hmm. school and get a better education bro like yeah what's what was your response like what was, how did you feel when you first seen that bro man it's like it's one of those ones where it's like no matter how much footage you see or no you know no, no matter how many stories you've been told or you know how many times you come face to face with these realities like nothing can take away the sting of the depth of that type of hate 
Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yo, like, like, why? You know what I'm saying? Like, why? <laughs> so much hate in your heart to want to physically harm teenage African-American students. You know what I'm saying? Because you don't want them to be in your schools. And, and also, uh, the first thing that I thought was, man, like, the stories that I've been told have been slightly romanticized in a lot of ways. Like, yeah. you know, I, like, I, me too, I've heard this story before. I've seen documentaries and seen footage about it before. Mm-hmm. But I hadn't really heard their point of view and their stories as those who went through it and now, you know, so many years removed, how they felt about their experience and the things that they went through. Yeah. Like, it just was a different a different take on it that yeah. I hadn't really seen before. Yeah, bro. Mm-hmm. So... <clears throat> So basically, like, so there was, so there was that part where you know they were integrating, mm-hmm. and who was the who was the president at the time? Was it Nixon or something like that? Uh, it was not I Nixon. Want to say uh, was it Eisenhower? Eisenhower, something, something like that. So the president at the time had to call in the National the Guard, Guard, yeah, to go take to, control of the situation. To take control of the situation yeah. because the mayor was using local, you know, local local law enforcement to keep them out. Well, lo- he he or assigned to, he assigned so local yeah, law enforcement. Yeah. To help, but they didn't do nothing, and they yeah. let the mob run the show. Yeah. So you had the National Guard escorting these people into the school. What's up, Marcus? I see you, bro. Um, and so I was just asking about you. Yeah, we just I literally about you, was boy. just asking about you. What's good, Marcus? <laughs> Man. Yeah. So, so, you, so you got the National Guard escorting teenagers to high school. Yep. Nineteen mm-hmm. fifty-seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but the coldest part about that was like. The next year, mm-hmm. yeah, they shut down oh my all the schools, and I don't want to tell the whole documentary. Yeah, you got, you, know you just I mean? got to go watch it. You, 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 you got to watch it, man. But like, basic, bro, they shut down all the schools in the mm-hmm. whole. Was it the whole? It was all of Little Rock, right? Or was it all of Arkansas? I think, yeah, I can't remember which one it was, but it was. They shut down some schools. They shut down some schools, and so they said, they said ninety percent of the white and they you know, it just was all private. So mm-hmm. all the money went to the private schools. So ninety mm-hmm. percent of the white kids still went to a private school. Yep. Fifty percent of the black kids didn't go to a school at all just because mm-hmm. they had no access to a school. Yep. And a lot of them just went straight to the workforce. Yep. Or went to the military. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's cold, bro. Like yeah. they, it was like if, if y'all ain't gonna do it our way, we gonna shut down everything. Yep. Like, just think about the ripple effects of something like that that it has over a people group over years. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Like yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. When you don't have access to education like that, like that 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 has the the ability to leave lasting effects on a people group. Yeah. And I'm just like, look look even now, like the educational disparities that we still see mm-hmm. after having gone through all of that over the course of all of these years it's just crazy yeah so like there was there was a quote on there or it was just like a it was like a stat bro it was a and it's crazy bro i had mad notes on this mm-hmm. <laughs> and i cannot find my notes to save my life i got i still got a few few of my notes here too okay but uh but it was a it was a quote it said if you don't if you can't read on grade level mm-hmm. by the third grade oh yeah yeah like your your percentage of Graduating high school, you're like, like you're like 17 times more likely to not mm-hmm. graduate to drop that, out. Yep. To drop out, or mm-hmm. I was like, so if if they just sabotage our learning mm-hmm. for the first you know a couple years of our life, yeah. like our whole li- the trajectory of our lives will be changed. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like it's it's crazy. It's like, yeah. and that's a that's a real stat, bro. Like it's a real fact, a real deal fact. So with you working in what people would call an alternative school, mm-hmm. like just, I'll, I'll just bounce back and forth. So 
from this this part when you're watching mm-hmm. it and then you're you know thinking about what you're dealing with at school like mm-hmm. how do you see that playing out like man like i you know as i was telling you earlier as i watched the documentary when they had the student interviews i'm just mm-hmm. thinking like these are my kids you know what yeah. i'm saying like these are the kids who i encounter on a day-to-day basis yeah and what i realized is that most of so just to give a little background most of our students come from you know their third and fourth experience in in public schools yeah and so then they come to us having had you know traumatic experiences and they're like well here's where we are and we tr- we're trying to help them recover credits help them get back on track for graduation, mm-hmm. help them get the life skills that they need to sustain a life outside of school because a lot of it is that too, like how the documentary talked about how wealth plays a part in that, you know, economics plays a part in that, environment, proximity, location, all those things play a part in how a student is educated. Mm-hmm. So we have like um, pretty much like a, a wraparound you know, set up for services to try to speak to some of those things as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's just crazy to hear some of their stories. Like this year um, in cultural studies, I started our class with teaching a unit on self-culture. Mm-hmm. So just the idea of like, who are we as people? How do we govern ourselves? What is our identity? And so I had them do this activity called the tale of two masks. And mm-hmm. so on one side, um, you write all the things that have been said negatively about you by teachers, by you know, anybody in your educational experience, adults, whatever it is, then the other side, write the things that are true about you. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting about the, the this particular activity was this side, full, like full of things that have been said negatively about them. Mm. You're not going to be successful. You're not going to amount to nothing. You'll never, you know, you'll never read at this level, whatever it is. And then on this side, like scarce two three four things like maybe. no positive reinforcement whatsoever Mm-mm. so i'm like man we gotta you know it's it so was that you said that was based upon what they heard at home or what they've heard in school predominantly what they've heard in their educational journey but then also outside of that too like okay um just in life in general as well so ask some of those things too mm-hmm. but the things that were said about them from the point of view of their educational journey was really stifling like yeah, for real bro. and so i'm like okay so i'm like you know we're at a position where we can impart into them their ability to realize that they can have success in the things that they've been told that they can't have success in. Yeah. And so I just think about like how that correlates with the documentary in the sense that, you know, like you're saying, if we take away your ability to learn and your ability to have success at a young age, mm-hmm. then that kind of creates a trajectory for your life to where you see yourself a certain way or, you know, you experience education a certain way. Mm-hmm. And then when you, you know, when, when life happens or when trauma hits and you couple all that together, like how do you how do you you know how do you go forward? It's crazy, bro. Like if they so they know if they stifle you at the age like by the age of nine, they don't even have to do nothing else. Mm-hmm. Like because you you know the schoolwork is gonna pick up, and you just you don't have the comprehension skills. Yeah, and it was it was crazy. Like there was a part of it where they were talking about um, there was so much you know there's like with with the public schools there's so much money that's allocated to each school so mm-hmm. they all get the same amount of money yeah but the white kids the white schools are doing way better than the hispanic or the black schools mm-hmm. and then you go to the black schools and they don't like stuff is broke down they don't have the books they don't have the materials right so like where's all this money going mm-hmm. you know and it's just like it's it's i don't know it's like borderline sabotage bro yeah you yeah. know mm-hmm. so let's so let's but let's uh let's take that to portland okay all right. So what mm-hmm. what school did you go to growing up? So I went to King Elementary School. Mm-hmm. Then I went to Meek Elementary School. Then I went to Saban. 
So yeah, I, yeah, I jumped so around tell a little me, bit. So what was what was Saban like coming back, coming up? Because I went to Saban for uh, for preschool, mm-hmm. but then I didn't. I went to Irvington for kindergarten through fifth. Okay. Yeah. Um, my my Saban experience was actually pretty decent. Yeah. Um, I, I I didn't go to Saban until I was halfway through third grade. Okay. And by that time, I had two teachers, and you you know one of my teachers, Mr. Waller, was yes. my third grade teacher and my fifth grade teacher. Okay, that's mm-hmm. what's up. So that's I cool. That. That's a, that's a solid experience, bro. A solid experience yeah, there, and yeah. then you know you probably know my other teacher too. Miss Gaines was my fourth grade teacher. Why does that name sound so familiar, bro? You 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 know her, bro. Ms. If I showed you a picture of her, you would okay. know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what would, I mean, I know you was a kid, but like, what would you say the demographics was if you can kind of remember? Well, I, I think at that time, Saban was predominantly African-American students. Was, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's, I, to my knowledge, because that whole neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, that's back when, yeah, before <laughs> before gentrification. Before so gentrification. Mm-hmm. But I think, about, I used to play at Saban all the time. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, you know, the play structure, because right down the street from my house, the play structure, the basketball court, yep. the soccer field, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, your wife's sister used to bully us, bro. Lenita <laughs> <laughs> used to bully us, bro. Come on, bro. I, bro. I remember I showed up to school one day. I had on a um, I had on a um, uh, a shirt and sh- and short set, bro. That said, "Can't touch this." And mm-hmm. she came up to me and just started pushing me and touching me. Wow, your shirt said, "Can't touch this," <laughs> bro. Yo, your wife's sister was a bully, bro. Lee, he getting on you? Is he speaking that truth? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So yeah. we fast forwarded to now. I got um, my niece goes there. Mm-hmm. I know other people, you know, whose kids go there, uh, mm-hmm. a couple of little cousins go there. Mm-hmm. And as the gentrification happens, yep. as the neighborhood changes, mm-hmm. oh, it's it's a lot more money. Oh, be- it's, yep. But it's like, did the money just come in or do they just now apply it? Because they got a new play structure, mm-hmm. like stuff is getting fixed up. And I'm just like, bro, this well, wasn't here when we was there. Like so, they wasn't doing no, they wasn't doing no improvements to Saban. Mm-hmm. But now all of a sudden, oh, yep. Saban is top notch streaming. Now they got all these extra programs. Mm-hmm. They got these different languages that they teaching. All this stuff that they're infusing into Saban. Yep. And I'm just like, wow, like this is this is it. Like this is the documentary. Like the documentary, it 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 shows you the the development of like, all right, when neighborhoods change, schools change, and then that's when they start the district starts pouring money or applying the funds. To those schools, I mean, it's it's literally you know like we talk about this all the time how all these concepts tie into each other. Yeah, it's literally the progression of gentrification in the neighborhood, right? Like, you have a neighborhood that is predominantly occupied by you know people of color. Yep, and then all of a sudden that neighborhood has some type of inherent value, you know, some type of value that goes beyond Mm -hmm. what that community that's been there has you know created in it. Mm -hmm. And so then white folks come in and. (laughs) They raise the property value up. They make it so that people of color who've been there all this time can no longer, ex- you know, afford to live there. Mm-hmm. And then, as people of color are pushed out and as white folks are moved in, the dynamics of the neighborhood changes, the culture of the neighborhood changes, and it's more catering or conducive to those the new residents. Mm-hmm. And so, like I, I imagine with Saban now, I grew up, you know, in Northeast Portland, yeah, literally ten blocks off of there mm-hmm. on Seventh and Shaver. Well, mm-hmm. a little more than ten blocks. Oh, no, still about hard, 10 blocks yeah, off. Yeah, right down the street, though. Mm-hmm. My, mm-hmm. my grandmother's house was there. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother's house, she has sold this past week. You know, For and real? I, yeah, that neighborhood is completely oh, yeah. white. Like, there's there are no more African-American homeowners on that yeah, block. Yeah, my street on 15th, um, between going and Wygant, mm-hmm. it's all, yeah, everybody's gone. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, just, so, so think about it. When we was when we were growing up over there, mm-hmm. there were a lot of black homeowners. You know what I'm saying? A lot, of, a lot, a lot more African-Americans. I will say, though... A lot of people didn't own their home. 
Yeah, okay, okay. I'll give you that. I, and I didn't realize it until stuff started changing, like 99, 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, when people just started moving mm-hmm. and I'm just like, why is everybody moving? Mm-hmm. And it was like, what's, what's going on? Yeah. And so that's when you, that's when I realized that, I mean, when you're a kid, you're not thinking about that stuff, but you mm-hmm. know, I'm asking my, my parents like, why, why am I friend? And why, what's the name? It was like, well, you know, they don't own their home. So the, mm-hmm. the owner raised the rent, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, and yeah. they, they got to move. So they got to go somewhere else. So that's mm-hmm. what happened. So a lot of black people didn't, they didn't own their home. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. if, I mean, it was hard to get a loan. You know, it was they was mm-hmm. they was shutting cats down left and yep. right. So, yep. um, so yeah, man. So they didn't own their home. So that's why people was moving out. So you didn't own your home. Yeah, you was getting pushed out. Mm-hmm. See, and on, then and then on the ones block, that though, did. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say on our, on our block there were at least eight black homeowners. Oh, for real? So mm-hmm. what happened? And we know, they either they just out? either they died off, oh, and okay. their kids inherited it and, and didn't realize out. the value and yep and and keeping that home, you know, uh, African American occupied home in that neighborhood, mm-hmm. or. Um, you know, they got like you said, cashed out. The the actual owners got cashed out. Yeah, like, I mean, they're, they're getting letters every day saying, "Hey, we want to buy your house for cash, whatever the case mm-hmm. may be." Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's it's it's tough because um, you kind of want to be like, "Hey, man, stay in the neighborhood, like keep it black, whatever." But then it's like, mm-hmm. if you've been there for thirty years and then you got a prime opportunity to like mm-hmm. cash in on your investment, like I can't fall, like my like my parents, man, like they bought their house for they bought our house for like fifty thousand. In the eighties, what? Yeah, dang. And geez. they sold it for three fifty, and it's just like, why, like, why wouldn't you? Like, I, I'm mm-hmm. happy for y'all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they sold it, they designed a house where they at now. Mm-hmm. They had it built in the neighborhood that they wanted to have it built in. Mm-hmm. You know, like all the specific, all that stuff, bro. They put it all together. Yeah, and they had money sitting. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. want to put all y'all business out there, mom and dad, but <laughs> y'all, y'all, y'all did good. You know what I mean? So, um, and so it. So in one sense, it's like you you wish and I, and honestly, I would have bought the house if I was in a position to do it. But I just right. I was like twenty five at the time, like I didn't mm-hmm. have no money, so mm-hmm. not like that. You know, right. I could have bought half of that house, but not the whole house. So man, we had some good times at that house, boy. Man, on fifteenth, mm-hmm. bro, it went down. Man, all the house parties, man. all the house parties, prom night though. Prom. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. Your parents, watch, man, they might be watching this. It's all good, man. They got to yeah. know the truth. Yeah. Okay. They okay. got to know the truth. It went this, down. This on is socks and sandals. This socks is, and sandals, This man. is socks and sandals. We unapologetically. This is, this is faux pas, everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you did. So prom night. Yeah. Um. There. So yeah. Every time I I'm, I see somebody that I haven't seen in a long, in a long time from mm-hmm. high school, we talk about prom, mm-hmm. and I hear new stories like every year, bro. Yeah. There was a lot of people in the house. A lot of people in the house. It was a lot of stuff. Speedy going was on. playing some music that didn't nobody know. Didn't nobody know. <laughs> He was, was playing like, bro, all the it. newest. Like you ain't even been to Texas yet, bro. You playing all the new down south music, bro. Speed was so ahead of his time with the music, bro. And I was just Man. like, he was getting fresh. I was like, bro, look, they, they don't, don't, they don't, they don't know, know about the songs, that bro. yet. It's like, bro, this is. beat is cracking, bro. Like, I was like, no, 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 no. Like they don't, they don't, know, they don't know it yet. So yeah. we had to go back to the, the usher or whatever we was playing. I don't know who was playing, but yeah. people doing stuff under tables and just, under tables. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All throughout the house, whatever. Yeah, it was it was going down. Good times on fifteenth, man. But uh. But yeah, so back to the documentary. Yeah. So, so, um, so there was so there was integration started in '57. Mm-hmm. Now it's 50 years later. Mm-hmm. So what what did they say about schools now? About the uh, about the segregate? They said schools are more segregated, more segregated today now than they were then in 2017 than mm-hmm. than they were in 1957. Mm-hmm. 
and, and what's crazy is I think that because it may not look as hostile as it did before, mm-hmm. that we kind of just we think that it's not as you know as bad or worse. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that that's one of the things that I notice about a lot of folks. Even if they, like it takes them to have a situation happen to their student or you know them themselves for them to realize like things are not it's not good yeah you know yeah and that's crazy i mean it's it's kind of hard to to measure that i mean we have saving we have like maybe a few other schools it's kind of hard to measure that um but then again i think about like articles i read about boise elliott mm-hmm. and so they say that to to try to maintain the culture mm-hmm. of, of the area and the like the historical nature of it they allow people that are, that don't live in the district to send their kids to mm-hmm. Boise. So there's a lot of black and brown kids that go to Boise that don't necessarily live in that neighborhood. Okay, yeah. But that's a part of the segregation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just like... Yeah, because it's, 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 you have to deal with the question of why don't they live in this district anymore? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you have to deal with that. and Or you could just ignored and just oh well that's cool well we want them to be over there mm-hmm. you know it's like that's that's yeah. the plan mm-hmm. so i don't know yeah man. it's uh it's crazy but so there so there was that part and then there was also another revelation that they brought was the the triple segregation tell people about the triple segregation yeah so they said that triple segregation is when you are discriminated against for your race income and language all at the same time and they said that that is predominantly when it comes to people from latino and hispanic backgrounds yeah and i was like well i, I had never heard that term before mm-hmm. and we, we we have a lot of um hispanic and latino students who attend our schools mm-hmm. and i just now i'm thinking about like how do they feel you know even in our environment not to mm-hmm. say that we are segregated or discriminated against anybody but mm-hmm. i just wonder like do those barriers that exist um, like how do they impact them and what, how do they feel about them because a lot of our a lot, a lot of their parents don't speak English mm-hmm. and so we have like you know translators and interpreters and whatnot yeah but I, I had never even thought about um, the educational disparities for you know their their community mm-hmm. as much as I've thought about it for ours yeah but I'm like wow like when, when they when they brought up the case that was before Brown versus the Board of Education oh yeah the one in LA yeah and I was yeah. like whoa I nobody ever I've never heard this story before yeah so it just it's just interesting so now does that I, I take it it just like opens your eyes and it's going to help you change your approach to you know um, kids that are you know Spanish speaking background or if, if Spanish is their first language or whatever yeah. second language like mm-hmm. yeah 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 man so it just make it makes me think more. Because, like, I guess the, the big word is, you know, contextualization. Yeah. I think one of the things that they were talking about in the documentary is part of the issue is that they, you know, they have these schools where, like the students were saying, where you have teachers who don't understand you or who mm. don't come from where you come from or who just don't get the things that you experience on an everyday, you know, in everyday life, the background that you come from and how that actually plays a role negatively or positively, positively in your education. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, it just makes me makes me want to champion contextualization for our black and brown students yeah. to make sure that I'm doing the extra work to to know them, to know their families, to know their backgrounds, to know their experience, and to try to tailor my lesson plans and curriculum to um, be conducive for an environment where they can thrive in. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. After watching it, bro, I just wanted to be a teacher, bro. Mm, yep. <laughs> like yep. I was just like, man, yep. let me change up my profession. Well, I mean, at that moment. Yeah. 
and then uh, I went to I, back to reality. I slept on it. And yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. But still though, like in in my uh, in my best life, you know, I'm a honestly after going to college, bro. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to be a professor. What, bro? Like you never you never told me that. Nah, I didn't. I, 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 I didn't. That's not that's not something that I really shared. But like mm-hmm. being a college professor is so dope because you get to engage with kids, but they're not kids. They're like mm-hmm. borderline adults. Yeah. So like you don't have to hold nobody's hand or like mm-hmm. counsel. I mean, even though you kind of do still. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that aspect of it. And it's like, it's, it's, it's a cake job. I mean, you're not making a lot of money, but like you, you have a cool work day. Mm-hmm. You just have a syllabus that you go by. So it's like, everything is like automated. You got all these breaks yep. and it's, you don't have to expect nothing. You just go in there. Here's a syllabus. Boom. I talk. We will, blah, blah, blah. And you can teach what you want. You teach what you want. Bro. Yep. I think that that's the most freeing thing of being in a non-traditional education setting is yeah. we actually have the freedom to create our own curriculum and to teach to our kids as opposed yeah. to being like, here's what, you know, here's these textbooks that they gave you mm-hmm. for this topic. Mm-hmm. Teach A, B, C. It's like, no, okay, who, who am I actually teaching? Yeah. You know, what is their lives actually like? Like, how can we make this content resonate with them and hit them where they are? And then we get to build our curriculum around that. Yeah. Well, tell me this, bro. I mean, it, it talks about the segregation and, and how we're how public schools are more segregated. And we're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, elementary, middle, high school. Mm-hmm. But, uh, bro, when I went to TSU and you was there for what, two years? Yep. Bro, going th- like coming from Portland, Oregon, mm-hmm. going to Texas Southern University in Houston, Texas at an mm-hmm. HBCU was so necessary. Man. For my existence, bro. Yep. So. When I think about, all right, should we be segregated or not? I think that I think the segregation part, what they're talking about in the in the documentary is more based on the disparity in the learning, like the, mm-hmm. the attention that yeah, these the kids get, gaps. the achievement yeah. gap, mm-hmm. how it, sh- it should be a level playing field because all these schools are getting the same mm-hmm. money from the Quote government. Unquote, yeah, same resources, same funding. But it's not being distributed and it's not being employed the way that it should be. Mm-hmm. But if I had a choice, mm-hmm. it's just I think it's just human nature, bro. I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah. And so because it's human nature that, you know, I want to be around my people and I want my people to teach my pe- my, my kids and mm-hmm. teach me, mm-hmm. you know, uh, they do the same thing. White people. Has, I mean, I think we all yeah. do the same thing. Bro. Yeah. Um, so th- and that's why it's like I want to be a teacher, because at the end of the day, ain't nobody going to take you take care of you better than you're going to take care of yourself yeah so um if i want black and brown kids to be able to thrive and be taken care of like mm-hmm. i'm me and other people are gonna to have to step up to do yeah. that so maybe one you know maybe one day bro yeah but but like my my experience at tsu bro i don't know about you bro like i felt super empowered mm-hmm. i had i had never had teachers that cared about me succeeding mm-hmm. i had never had teachers that helped me like really helped me yeah. You know what I mean? Like, go easy on me. Like, hey, look, man, look, this is like, bro, what, what, what it was a uh, accounting. Like, I'm terrible at math. Mm-hmm. Um, you are a business major. I'm a business major and I'm terrible <laughs> at math. I just, I don't, learning, I don't like I'm learning all these things about your hey, bro, educational I almost journey. Didn't, I almost didn't graduate, bro, because of math. Really? Yeah. I took, I was taking algebra, like my sophomore algebra class, I got like a C minus. Mm-hmm. And in the business school, you can't graduate with a C minus on your report card or on your oh, whatever. Wow. So I had a C minus. So I had to take, I was taking algebra with freshmen and sophomores as a, as a senior. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it was like, 
I had already done four years. It was like a half and another semester. I had to do that and like some other credits I had to fill in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, bro, like I'm terrible at math just because like I don't like the format of it. Mm-hmm. And I can I can come to my own conclusions without using their format. Mm-hmm. But like they want you to go in certain orders, and I just yeah yeah I guess I'm rebellious in that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like. But that's but that's everybody. Everybody learns differently. Everybody learns differently, and, and they tell you you have to learn a, a specific way, bro. But my accounting teacher, I forgot his name, man. But that dude, like, he helped me out so much. Like, he was like, "Look, man, just let me, all right, calm down." And he was help. He was walking me through it, bro. Mm-hmm. And it was just like I had so many professors like that, and it's just like, man, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So. Maybe the segregation ain't so bad, my brother. No, I'm <laughs> See, now, here you go. We gotta, okay, we got to pull it back a little bit. We got to rein it in, huh? Okay. Two bad, things. One, there is something to be said about um, us oh. being able to see people that look like us in positions like that. And yeah. I think that that's important. I think that um, part of the the ability to educate well is to, like one of the things that I want to do, and I do, I did last year and I want to do this year, is I want to take my, my students to see business people who who are having success in business mm-hmm. or brand building or whatever it is that you know who've gone through school gotten their high school diplomas and have gone on to have success in their lives yeah like get a chance to actually meet them shake their hands and see that they look like them and come from where they come from and have had success because i think that that's important for them to see examples that look like them mm-hmm. um beyond where they are right now as just a, a means of support and encouragement and whatnot so there is something to be said about seeing folks that look like you in those roles like oh man that's huge that's huge, see, huge. Like, I, i'd never seen it like mm-hmm. I, when i was working with jamae we was doing mm-hmm. catering like our mm-hmm. freshman year um we was doing like super bowl parties and mm-hmm. like parties for banks and corporations and stuff mm-hmm. and like all these like vps and executives like mm-hmm. it was all like black and yeah like hispanic and stuff mm-hmm. bro, indian and i'm just like man like these cats is bossing up mm-hmm. and they and they didn't have that complex that we have like oh man black people can't do nothing or man white people they always will it's like nah Mm-hmm. Like we doing it, it ain't no, it ain't no. And nobody's complaining about nothing. We just taking right. like the the opportunity that's here. Right, right. And so just seeing, it, I ain't had nobody. Nobody had to tell me anything. I just mm-hmm. seen it, and it just changed my outlook on like what I can do, yeah. what my capacity is. If somebody gonna hold me down or not, what I have to do to overcome that, I could just I go out and go get it. Mm-hmm. You know. So yeah, yeah. So oh, to add to that, um, one of the things that was dope was when I seen the trailer of. Um, what was it? Black Panther. Mm. Like I seen that trailer. Yeah. And it, it I literally like swelling my chest, like tear in my eye. I'm like, man, like this is unapologetically African American. I need this in my life. You right. know what I'm saying? So yeah. like there there's definitely something to be said about seeing people that look like us in prominent positions and roles and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But then to to couple that, to couple with that, I would say that there's also a value in being able to learn from other cultures. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's a combination of, you know, being able to see folks that represent us yeah. and then also learning from other cultures because there are things that we can learn from other cultures, even though, you know, even even the majority culture that oftentimes is the culture that is oppressing and marginalizing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There, there's still things to be learned from our white counterparts yeah and no so doubt. Like, i think it's a balance yeah in that. yeah i feel yeah. that yeah and then too as far as like being a teacher like you said you know it makes you want to be a teacher you may not be a teacher in a traditional classroom setting or a pri- you know private school or alternative school but that doesn't mean you can't teach yeah and so i think that you know if nothing else watching a documentary like that makes us have the responsibility of saying how do i teach you know my people how do i teach those who 
I have influence with and who you know I have an impact on and I spend mm-hmm. time with. And so just finding ways to do that. It could look like tutoring. It could look like mentoring. It could look like you saying, you know what, I'm going to do everything I can to instill life skills and knowledge into my kids. Like, whatever that looks like, just, mm-hmm. you know, we all have opportunities to teach. Yeah, that's real. Yeah, yeah. some type of way. So, mm-hmm. to sum all that up, man, um, how is that going to change, your, you know, your teaching moving forward for you? So, I, I, th- I don't think it's necessarily going to change my teaching. It's just more of a... It's like one of those ones, like a continual buffer. Mm-hmm. So like just to, to keep being reminded, like I do things the way that I do things for a reason. And if I get discouraged in that, things like that bring me back to why we do what we do. Why why I, why I'm a high school teacher now. Like I didn't mm-hmm. pick this path. You know what I'm saying? Like I started volunteering at my um, my organization doing free rights with um you know well Andre's math class. Yeah. So I would go on fr- every other Friday. And his all of his math classes and just do free writes with the kids like mm-hmm. hey let's just <clears throat> take time away from math and just write write our thoughts out write, write lyrics write poems whatever and we just kind of share did that for like a year and then um his campus had a music teacher position open and i was like ah, it's only like two days a week one hour a day like it's not a full-time job yeah took the position worked there for two weeks then a position at my campus came open mm-hmm. full-time position did a demo lesson um, and got hired, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Now, you know what I'm saying? Like, That's dope. and so I, I, I love to be able. I love to be in a position like this to be able to give back to our community in this way, mm-hmm. and then just to mold like young minds. You know what I'm saying? To pour life skills into them and meet them where they are, and like serve them where they are. Like it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, so. I feel that. That's what's up, bro. Yes, sir. So, <clears throat> about this EP you got dropping. Yes. On the 27th, October 27th, man. For all major Friday. outlets, bruh. This you know Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, man, Fragile. This has been, it's been in the making for a minute. Yeah. I've had this, I personally had this project for quite some time. Yes, you have. So, You've been on my head about releasing it for like <laughs> the last three months. Yeah, man. But, uh, yeah. So, First, let's just start with the premise. What's the, what's the premise of the project, man? It's called Friday um, once again. So if I if I had to say what the premise is, I would probably say like it's just all about me owning my transparency, like mm-hmm. admitting that I'm fragile and that there there are frailties that I have as a man, as a as a human being, as a Christian, as a, a minister of the gospel, as a husband. And um, just taking an opportunity to kind of reflect on those things, honestly, mm-hmm. and take responsibility for where I need to grow, where I need grace at, um, yeah. you know, where I need to repent, like just all that and kind of just putting it into art because mm-hmm. that, that's my way of, you know, dealing with what I deal with or having, you know, therapy around my issues is yeah. to be able to write it out. And so that's kind of where it started at. It just kind of started with me jotting a line here, a line there, mm-hmm. writing a verse about, you know, this particular instance of my marriage or you know, this particular situation with me and a brother in the faith or, you know, this particular day when I was feeling down about whatever it was and then it kind of materialized into like, oh, this verse goes with this verse and this, you know, these verses go together. Like, I I don't, I don't think that there's one song on here that I actually sat down and wrote like from front to finish as one concept. That's crazy. Which is crazy. That's crazy. Um, it just kind of all came together that say, way. That's not how you normally write your songs, right? No, it's yeah. not. Not at all. Like, I usually sit down with a beat and well, sit down with a beat and then I turn the beat off. I don't, that's fun fact. I do not write to the beat. I cannot stand hearing a beat playing when I'm trying to write. So I'll listen to the beat for a minute. Then I'll turn the beat off and write 
get my bars down and then turn the beat back on. I never understood. It's like, bro, I could not write without the beat. Because yeah, like, I internalize the beat. So, like, mm-hmm. I get it I get it enough into my mind to where I know where it's going to go, what it's going to do, and then it helps me write better. Because mm-hmm. to hear the beat playing while I'm trying to write is kind of like making my brain clash. It's weird. Mm. And so then I put the beat back on just to, just to make sure that it's where I want it to be. And then yeah. I'll turn the beat back off. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy, bro. But and that's, so that's, that's usually, awesome. yeah, the process. But then with this process, I actually just wrote a lot of this acapella, like, raw thoughts, raw emotions that rhymed, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And then eventually, like, this verse came together with this verse. And I'm like, well, I got, and I, ha- I had had beats for a minute mm-hmm. uh, from producers who I have relationships with. And then um, I had went on to ToneJones.com to get a beat for a performance. Mm-hmm. And he had, like, this deal where you buy one and get three free. Man. And so that's kind of how the EP came together. Where yeah. It's like I got four beats from Tone. I got a few beats from J-Rob out of Virginia. Um, the the song that you like the most on the EP Sunshine is from mm-hmm. a producer named G Love in Naples, Man, Italy. So, that's so tough. So he so asked that joint over, and I sat on that for like eight months before I actually like did anything to it, and then it just kind of all came together. Yeah, yeah. That's what's up, man. So why now? Why this? Why this project at this time? Like I said, you know, you you finished it up a while back. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to it for some months now. Mm-hmm. Um, but why? this time like why is this time you know why is it at this point in time you're ready to release it um i think because i think i'm at a place where i'm ready to own my transparency even more publicly than i have been Mm -hmm. um and like i'm just a firm believer in being able to write your own story you know what i'm saying not not in the sense that god is not the author of life and you know all that but in the sense that oftentimes people can speculate or you know i see you bro what up what up what up my bad bro um, oftentimes people can write your story for you in the sense that they, you know, they have speculations or they, they hear a tad bit of this and a tad bit of that. Mm-hmm. And so this is an opportunity for me to kind of own my own story and my own transparency and my own mistakes and my own frailty. Mm-hmm. But then also I think that um, we just live in a time where Christians are, you know, it's much easier and far more comfortable for us to kind of put on the, the happy Christian face and say, oh, life is cool. Mm-hmm. And what I realized through the seasons, of, you know, the season of life over the last couple of years is that um, the peace of God is not, you know, predicated on the condition of my life. Like mm-hmm. the peace of God is something that keeps me in the midst of whatever condition of life I'm in and challenges and struggles and good and bad and everything in between. And so, you know, it's more about um, me knowing where my hope rests, me knowing, you know, who I belong to, me knowing where my where my my strength lies in the midst of all that I go through, mm-hmm. and so I just wanted an opportunity to kind of give that to the world, like me being able to own where I'm fragile mm-hmm. and wrestle through that, and give them a chance to kind of wrestle through that with me, in hopes that they would realize like it's far better to just you know to admit that you're fragile because to try to hide it or try to sidestep it or make it something that it's not. It just like it does more damage than good. Yeah. And I think that if we as Christians can be honest about where we're fragile, where we have frailty, mm-hmm. then it's it's far easier for us to be, you know, to be healed or to grow or to get the things that we need to move forward and to be to be whole. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. And it's I mean, you are to me honest like not just because we friends, but like one of the best lyricists I've ever heard, bro. But like, just no, just probably it's it's easy for me to say that because I know you, mm-hmm. and I've seen you work and put and you just like you just write all the time, mm-hmm. and you'll write acapella, and it's all everything you put together is like 
it always makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's dope. The wordplay is always nice. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like when you was doing the four bar Friday. Now everybody knows that you're nice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But for the longest time, we always knew. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's just like this. So you're like a throwback rapper. You mm-hmm. know, like you put words together well. Mm-hmm. It's crazy because the era of music that we're in right now. Yeah. They don't value. Mm-hmm. folks like you mm-hmm. that's just i mean not that's not a knock on you but that's just mm-hmm. real yeah have you felt pressure to kind of succumb to the more auto-tune sing rap trap like all this all the things that are going on right now mm-hmm. in the music industry do you feel pressure to to go that route or how, how do you feel about you know what's going on right now um, so there's a lot of what's going on right now that I appreciate. Mm-hmm. And there's some of it that I'm like, eh, I don't really, you know what I'm saying? I'm not really rocking with that, but yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a student of music and a lover of music. So I mm-hmm. think that that kind of helps me as far as my process goes where I'm not really thinking about like, Oh, I got to write this type of song to be, you know, current, or I got to write this type of song to fit in. Like mm-hmm. I kind of just go with whatever, like whatever, wherever the creativity is pulling me in that, in that moment. So like with the EP, a lot of it was more introspective and retrospective, so the 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 draw of the lyrics kind of pulled toward the type of music that I wrote, you know, that I ended up putting together with the songs. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm kind of at a place where I'm like, okay, I'm a little more um, kind of at the, at the tail end of that season mm-hmm. and at a place where life is a little more brighter and, you know, I can, I can kind of, my, my writing tone is changing a bit and so mm-hmm. then you get like a hoodie mellow, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, and that felt that felt good. I didn't feel like me forcing anything. I didn't feel like me like, oh, I gotta go drop, you know, grab a trap beat from Tone and try to hop on that joint. It just <laughs> mm-hmm. felt like here's where I'm at. Like here's a good, yeah. a good concept. And the concept had been ringing in my head like over and over and over again. And so I had already kind of heard what the beat would sound like before I even, you know, what I'm saying, mm-hmm. did that joint. And so um, I think I think for me it's just. I kind of just go wherever the creativity takes me and kind of let the chips fall where they may. And, yeah. you know, if, if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. Um, and that's kind of how it is. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, man, I think uh, if if people are listening, mm-hmm. if they're not just trying to hear the beat, they're listening to the words, like, you can't help but appreciate what you got going on, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's, it's so much content and it's like, it, it comes, and it's, it's your story though. I mean, at the mm-hmm. end of the day, it's, it's your story, man. That's, that's what I love about it. So you got, you got six tracks. Yep. I will say, the one that keeps like ringing in my head, in uh-huh. my head is Deer Pass. Okay. Like the hook is dope. Mm-hmm. The way you sing it and stuff and it's just like, you know, it's talking about standout. So obviously I'm going to resonate with that. But yeah. what was your yeah. what was your thought process between, you know, behind Deer Pass and putting that song together? So with Deer Pass, um, it was at a place in my life where um, relationships just seemed to be kind of fleeting. Mm-hmm. And, and so as, you know, as I was losing relationships with people who I, I held like closely, you know what I'm saying? Like backstory, um, one of my issues that the Lord was working on me through that season was I had an issue with abandonment mm-hmm. and it, it stemmed from my childhood and just childhood trauma that I experienced. So I'm the type of person who loves hard. And when I'm, when I, when I call you my brother or my sister, like you, my brother, you, my sister. Mm-hmm. And so to kind of lose a lot of relationships was really hard for me. And at first it was um like, I, I was in a, a bad head space with it. But then the more that I went through the season, I realized like the Lord was not trying to hurt me. He was actually trying to heal me to try to show me like, look, even if I take away all these people who you've latched on to, like you still have to trust that I'm with you and I won't forsake you. Mm-hmm. And so like, that was kind of how he dealt with my abandonment issues. It's mm-hmm. like having me feel like I was being abandoned to the, like to the worst of the worst. 
And so in that time, um, it just kind of when I got to a place where I was able to begin to heal, what I realized was that there were relationships that had been lost um, and some, some relationships where I felt like I was abandoned in even before this season. And then just places where I had kind of walked away or, you know, had contributed to relationships being broken and kind of just want to own that. Like, mm-hmm. let me just be transparent about this. Let me just be frail. You know, let me be fragile before before men. And um, in hopes that the Lord would, you know, use this to reconcile relationships. And I've seen the reconciliation, you know, from that since releasing the song. Like I'm like, or since since writing and, and putting the song out and sending it to, you know, you and everybody that was involved with that mm-hmm. season of life. Mm-hmm. Like it's just been good. Like, for example, we talked about me being at Ash Street last night. Mm-hmm. The reason I was there was because of Juma. Right. You know, and so, you know, our relationship is beginning to become mended and we had a a really, really in-depth, like, one-hour conversation about um, things that had taken place in the past where I had been holding on to resentment against him. Like, I had never really dealt with the fact that even though we were cordial, like, I didn't really want to, you know, I didn't really want to be in the same space as him. Like, my last night was when you re- no, 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 realized No, 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 oh, no. We, we, we good. Like, oh, okay, okay. This is, this, is, this is months ago at this <laughs> yeah, point. This is okay. when, when I first recorded Dear Pass and okay, sent okay. it over to him Yeah, and sent it, sent it to y'all. Yeah. And so at that time, we had to have a conversation where it's like, okay, why do I always feel this way? You know, like, I don't, at least in my mind, I'm, I don't have no, like, hate or, you know, resentment towards you. But there's something that makes me be like, ah, we can be cordial, but I'm, I'm cool yeah. on a relationship. Yeah. And what I realized was that I had felt like there was a point in our relationship where abandonment had taken place. Mm. And I had never really dealt with that. And I, I never really said that to him. And so I got a chance to really say that. And we got a chance to talk through that and say, hey, man, well, you felt this way. I felt this way. And here's what was going on in my life. And, you know, we were both young and all the, all the variables that had taken place during that time. And so it just gave us an opportunity to say, you know what, we can forgive and move forward. And it was like one of the best moments in life, G, like one of the best moments. And so now, you know, I see I see his phone, his, his number go across my phone. You know, I pick it up. He sent me a text. I text him back. He said, come hang out. Like, I'm like, let's let's do it, you yeah. know. So it's been cool. Yeah. So, yeah, like with Dear Past, the first verse was written um, specifically to one of our brothers who um, was like my best friend, you know, and I was my best friend. I, I even like my best friend. And we and we we had dreamed together. You know, we we would talk about the day we were going to get married and how we were going to have kids and, you know, l- you know, build lives parallel to each other and all that. And then I like look back and to see that none of that really happened. It's like, dang, gee, like. It just kind of hit me hard, you know, mm-hmm. and not and not for any like beef or anything like that for, for the most part, but just like realizing like you can plan, but then sometimes those plans don't always pan out in that way. Yeah. And then the second verse was just directly to you know just everybody that was involved with standout. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I was still getting a lot of questions. You know what I'm saying? Even to this day, like man, like what happened, bro? Like, you know <laughs> why why y'all not day. why y'all not together no more? This and yeah. this and that. Yeah. And so I was like, man, let me just write about it, you know, and just talk about, yeah. um, and even in that verse, wanting, wanting to own that I played a part in mm-hmm. us going like this too. My immaturity played a part in that too. So mm-hmm. just for us to be able to sit in the same room, you know, and be at this table together is like a blessing that I don't take for granted, you no know? No doubt. Yeah, yeah, bro. So. I'm going to get back, right back to that. Mm-hmm. Tashika, she said, what she said? Where do you sell your music? What outlets can they get your, get your music? So this Friday, um, Fragile will be available on all, pretty much every major major digital platform. So iTunes, um, Spotify, anywhere you where you stream music, you'll be able to get my music. And that's Sean Lamont, S H A U N, 
L A M O T T, and the project is called Fragile. Mm, let's go. October twenty seventh, Friday. Let's go. So, <clears throat> speaking of standout, mm-hmm. oh, but hold on. What, what 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 up, sis? I see yeah, you, Keila. Kern, what up, bro? What up, I Kern? You. I seen Jesse in there too. You know what I mean? What's up, boy? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I seen Jerico in there too. I don't know if you still watching. What up, boy? Um, man. So back to standout. So, mm-hmm. um, what do you think are, in your estimation, what mm-hmm. do you think our tra- trajectory could have been if we would have stayed together? Like, what what would our life look like? Man, how we had standout continued to to grow and flourish. Um, mm-hmm. I think we could have. I think we could have been doing sustainable. You know, like sustainable life and ministry you know what i'm saying for mm-hmm. for years to come like i think we had a really good momentum huh shameless plug <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended what up zeb yeah but um i think i feel like we had a really good momentum going um i felt like um our creativity and, and our creative process was like on point yeah. i think the place where honestly you know in hindsight where i where i feel like we lacked was just um, maturity, you know, and super mature, and just having like guidance and direction, like discipleship, you know, for for the whole, um, all five of us, you know, what I'm saying? somebody who could hold us accountable, somebody who was challenging us um, to continue to grow in our faith, to continue to fight for our unity, things like that, and I think that a lot of a lot of immaturity kind of got in the way of relationships and us, you know, having sustainability when it came to stand out. Yeah, I think if if we had an old head. Um or an OG that was around mm-hmm. to keep us like level because we, yeah, we was 19, 20 years old. Yeah, like none, none of us had had ever experienced anything like that. Like nah. we were doing like three, four shows a week. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like it, 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 it was a lot, a lot going on, it was a, lot. a lot to wrap your mind around. Yeah, and yeah. it was you know a lot of ego involved, and uh, mm-hmm. but we just yeah, like when you say, <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah, we we just needed somebody older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it, but it wasn't like it was something that we was doing that somebody else had already done. Like we mm-hmm. didn't think we didn't know it was gonna take off the way that it did. No, like so it just started taking off and just we doing shows like like you said three four shows a week, and uh, and and everybody just wanted like we just felt like we should have been getting money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yep, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. As that opposed was part to of like you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like all right, I won't, every time we made, just, I was I was thinking like all right, bro, like let's not spend no money. Mm-hmm. Let's just keep it all in the account, so yep. nobody has to ever come out of pocket for a project mm-hmm. ever yep. again. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, but we we we, we were young, man. Yeah, and, and and part of it too was you know not all of us understood the business of 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 the music industry. You no. know, like I don't think any of us really did. We were not, we not, were winging it. I was trying to put together we contracts. It. Yeah, and, and then was, like everybody was, had little pieces, bits and pieces. And so our understanding bad. is saying, hey, we should be getting this or this should be happening. And then like, no, that's not supposed to be it happening. Should, we like, shouldn't have been talking money at all. I no. think that's that's what it came down to. Mm-hmm. Nobody should have been thinking they was gonna get rich. Yeah. And that's what we was that, those were our ambitions. We was trying to get money. Mm-hmm. And then when the money started coming in, we didn't know how to handle it. And yep. it just kinda tore things apart. Mm-hmm. So yeah, man. Yeah. But no, nah, I mean, I honestly think, bro, we was on that trajectory of being like a solid camp within CHH with yeah. Reach and with anybody that was out there that was doing that thing. We had the talent. Mm-hmm. What up, Tim? What up, Tim? I see you. What up, Karen? What up, Karen? I see you. But uh, yeah, we, we had the talent, man. We had the camaraderie. Mm-hmm. We had the charisma. We had everything. Yeah. But we didn't have the humility. Yeah. We mm-hmm. didn't have we didn't have a problem solving, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it was a lot of ego. So we all mm-hmm. was just 
all five of us was all in different like head spaces. Yeah. So different understandings, different head spaces. That's why discipleship is important. Man, yeah, it's necessary. That's why discipleship is important. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Real talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But wasn't nobody discipling us. Mm-hmm. And it was like because. But here's the thing, though. It wasn't that people weren't pursuing us; they just didn't want to disciple us. They were pursuing. They, they were pursuing <laughs> us, mean, bro. Because it was a few cats that was trying to be our manager. Trying, they, they saw they saw the potential of us okay. making money, and so I think that that kind of jaded us to that to that too, though. And then we did have we but did have your Amaris, we did have your Andres who were who were trying to walk with us, but we were. were yes, to some degree. Well, that's probably my fault. I, I definitely mm-hmm. didn't see nobody as like mm-hmm. really trying to. You know what I mean? I just mm-hmm. seen sharks in the water, not not but them. See, but see, but because that was a lens oh, that we began to take on, because we had so many times where cats was like, "Oh man, we trying to, we're trying to manage you," or <clears throat> you know, I see mm-hmm. we see this in you, or just you know, the whole like when somebody see that you you can move a crowd and they like, "Oh, yeah. you know, the Lord is going to bless you." And I'm like, "Man, mm-hmm. get out here with that! I'm not trying to hear that." <laughs> oh man, yeah, that was that was funny, man. That was, that was a fun time, bro. Yeah. I remember I forgot what dude came over to to our house, man, to my house on 15. Oh, that dude in the SUV, G. The Which dude, one with, is with that? The, with the with the, uh, with the Jerry curl and the glasses. Was there two people with Jerry curls and glasses, bro? Was it two? I swear it was a dude. Was it even SUV? I swear he got, he got off the bus. And he walked up to the house. He had a suit on. He's like, "These are the artists that I manage." He had his book. Uh-uh, oh no, no. no. So, okay, uh. so y'all, so y'all, y'all was on the porch. And uh-huh. He sat down with me. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then he was just like, he's trying to work the deal out. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, no, this don't add up. <laughs> and then he, and then he left. My dad was like, "Hey man, I hope you didn't do no business with him." I was mm-hmm. like, "No." He was like, "Man, that dude, he just, you know, he, he basically a janky business like promoter type mm-hmm. dude." So, no, I'm about that dude who had rode by in the SUV. We was outside of my house. I think we were your house on okay. the corner. Okay, and uh, some dude that rode by in a black SUV, and he's like, "Man, I'm trying to manage y'all." He's like, "What?" Like, I don't remember that dude. Yeah, like I don't even know who you are, <laughs> G. Like, yeah, man, I have no idea. Uh, it was fun times, bro. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, man. So, so the album is dropping, man. Mm-hmm. Um, we already know that we can you can get up you can get the album on any digital all, all major outlet. digital platforms yeah for sure for mm-hmm. sure. Um, so what do you want people to get from the album the most? Like what like you don't if you don't want people to miss this one thing, what is it about the album that you want them, you know, to get? I want them to I guess honestly I want them to realize that um, the the misconception that. The Christian life is a life of perfection is just that a misconception so mm. I think a lot of times people think that you know they see you and, and particularly for me like I feel like a lot a lot of times in my experience um, folks have kind of looked at me like oh well you know Deshaun is strong in the Lord whatever like he got his life together cool like everything is good and I'm like nah like life is hard you know mm-hmm. like life life has challenges um, and for those who know me you know and have had conversations with me they know um, some of those challenges they know that I'm I'm not one who shies away from transparency mm-hmm. and so I just want folks to um, to one just appreciate the transparency um, to resonate with the stories um, and to begin to see where they can own their own transparency in their lives yeah yeah that's dope man yep yeah bro can't wait for the people to receive it man because it's, it's going to be awesome what up with it so um, what was I going to say oh so you have a show coming up mm-hmm. at the Roseland. Tell people about that show. Yeah, so I have an opportunity to rock the stage at Roseland Theater on November fifteenth. It's through Raw Artist Show or RawArtist.org. 
Um, they do these showcases um, all across the nation. They have a showcase in Portland, November 15th, called Savor. Um, it is an, a night of music, fashion, and art. And I've been selected as the raw artist to rock that show. Mm. And so if you want to come see me live, you want to come here to EP Live, um, November 15th is a night to do it. It's a Wednesday night. Um, tickets are $22. And you can get those at www.rawartists.org backslash or slash S-H-A-U-N-L-A-M-O-T-T. That's a mouthful. Yes, I'm going to post I'm going to post a link. <laughs> I'm going to post a link um, in the video. I'm going to post a link on my Instagram page at SXSNDLS. It's going to be in that bio. It's going to be in my personal bio, um, mm-hmm. Emmanuel since 85 on Instagram. I'm going to post it on Twitter at SXSNDLS. How can they get a hold of you on Twitter? Uh, you can get a hold of me, a hold of me on Twitter at Sean Lamott. So that's S H A U N. L-A-M-O-T-T and I'm working on getting the Instagram and the Facebook page back going so it's on the way so what's so you have a goal of how many tickets that you want to sell so at this point I'm trying to sell 15 tickets 15 Mm -hmm. so if I can get 15 tickets sold that would be amazing let's do 20 so we got 13 people watching right now that's live man if you in Portland in the Portland metro area, Portland, Vancouver, whatever, wherever you at, Beaverton. Yes, sir. Man, support my guy. Even if you can't make it, man, support my guy, mm-hmm. man. He's, Get a ticket for somebody who can make it. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a dope show. Yeah, let's, if, let's if show out for him. If you live, you know it's going to be a dope show. Kern said he's ready to buy now. We appreciate you, my brother. Even yes, though sir. You're in Houston, Good luck, you know Kern. I mean? so, so, yeah, man, we're going we gonna to show up, bro. You know yes, what I mean? We're going to make this happen. So, we're going to sell these tickets out real quick. Yes, sir. Um. So yeah, that's uh November the fifteenth. Mm-hmm. All right, and then once again, if y'all just now hopping in, bro, I'm on iTunes right now. So all my team iPhone out there, man, I want y'all to su- subscribe to the podcast. Socks and sandals, spell it out. Socks and sandals. Hit the subscribe button. Rate five stars. Leave me a comment, man. I'm at sixteen ratings right now 10 mm-hmm. comments let's get that up to, to 75 75 let's go let's I'm trying to get to 75. 75 stars 75 comments by November the 1st man so y'all please help a brother out mm-hmm. so I can gain more visibility get on new and noteworthy and take this thing to the next level you know yeah. what I mean so um, at, and at also so we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up bro I appreciate okay. you for coming through mm-hmm. and I also appreciate you for the track that you blessing me with for the podcast, man. Yes, I got sir. a new theme song, man. It took me 30 episodes to get one, but I finally got <laughs> one, man. I ain't even a- I ain't even asked this dude for it. And he was just like, bro, I'm about to make you a song, bro. And so, man, mm-hmm. you put it together, bro, in like a couple days. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing. So at the end of this record, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post this on SoundCloud tonight. You'll see it tomorrow morning, probably, if you're not up at 1 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to play the whole song at the end of this episode. And... uh Man, I wish you could have had that on the album. I know, right? But there, there'll still be an opportunity to get it. So, okay, he don't know this, but I'm oh. about to say it right now. Oh, so I'm gonna do a, um, I'm gonna do a giveaway. So the giveaway will be if you get the album or get the EP, I should say, and subscribe to Socks and Sandals podcast, oh. then you can get this song for free. Let's go. Yeah. So I I'm gonna set that up, that. and I'll, I'll have it popping on Twitter most likely tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's up. That's what's up. Yes, sir. Yeah, man. Well, once again, bro. The album is coming out. It's going to be dope for yes, the sir. people because I know, bro, they need this. They, yes, they've been needing this for years. So <laughs> I'm so glad it's out, bro. Real yes, talk. Sir. Yeah, man. But uh, appreciate y'all for tuning in. Uh, if you if you live, I appreciate you for watching. If you're on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, 
I might be on Google Play. I don't even, I don't have an Android, so somebody check if you got an Android. I'm on there. Team Android. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. hey, y'all can y'all can listen to. But uh, yeah, once again, socks and sandals, where society, culture, history, and religion collide, and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. Once again, I have my boy Sean Lamont on here, man. Support the guy, man. He's yeah, up, he's on Twitter. Hit sure. him up. Uh, hit me up on Twitter. We can continue the conversation on Teach Us All. Should schools be segregated? Is that a good thing? I don't know. I kind of like TSU. I like HBCUs. But, <laughs> but yeah, man, I appreciate y'all for listening. Check y'all next week. Peace out. Peace. Nike sacks, broken stacks. Oh, what a faux pas. Unmasked, unabashed, unashamed. Uh, hear the voice of the unacclaimed. Yeah, hear the voice of the unacclaimed. Maybe that's a taboo. Maybe it's a fad, but maybe just in fact, I was used to wearing bad shoes. Uh. Nike socks, working stocks. Oh, what a faux pas. Unmasked, unabashed, unashamed. Uh, hear the voice of the unacclaimed. Yeah, hear the voice of the unacclaimed. Maybe that's a taboo. Maybe it's a fad, but maybe just in fact, I was used to wearing bad shoes. Uh. Nike socks, Birkenstocks, oh what a faux pas, hold applause, I don't need a gold star or a cause, I just bleed my soul's call, uh, I just let my soul talk, it could be a close call, I could be a lone star, uh, shining like the North Star, uh, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to gleam for today, I'ma take the lead, I just got a beam, I was taught to mean what I say, and say what I mean, so I gotta speak, I ain't gonna preach, but I braced, I'ma speak my peace, trying to walk in peace I've been giving freedom a taste I'm just being free Nike socks, Birkenstocks Oh, what a faux pas Unmasked, unabashed, unashamed uh, Hear the voice of the unacclaimed Yeah, hear the voice of the unacclaimed Maybe that's a taboo Maybe it's a fad, but maybe just in fact I was used to wearing bad shoes uh, Nike socks, Birkenstocks Oh, what a faux pas Unmasked, unabashed, unashamed uh, Hear the voice of the unacclaimed Yeah, hear the voice of the unacclaimed Maybe that's a taboo Maybe it's a fad, but maybe just in fact I was used to wearing bad shoes Yeah, uh, Nike socks, Birkenstocks My plot, my narrative This is journalism, wearing skin No writer's block, no writer's block uh, Every page imperative Every verb, now phrase, character Every verb, then now shapes character True story, no embellishments, uh Front page editorial, no editors, no editing, no meddling, just transparency, transparently. All praise due to the chief, source credited. That's etiquette, yes, good news, that good news, I'm evidence. Oh. I gave you the truest me, my truest speech, true and deep from the loosest leaves of my loose leaf, my flaws and all, see. I'm fragile by grace, I am choosing peace over losing sleeping. I must say these sandals fit quite nicely over these pre-release. Nike socks, Birkenstocks, oh what a faux pas. Unmasked, unabashed, unashamed. Uh, hear the voice of the unacclaimed, yeah. Hear the voice of the unacclaimed, maybe that's a taboo. Maybe it's a fad, but maybe just in fact I was used to wearing bad shoes. Uh. Nike socks, Birkenstocks, oh what a faux pas. Unmasked, unabashed, unashamed. Uh, hear the voice of the unacclaimed, yeah Hear the voice of the unacclaimed Maybe that's a taboo Maybe it's a fad, but maybe just in fact I was used to wearing bad shows Bad shows